Well, thanks so much, Lori. And, uh, and before we get into things, just wanted to say happy Mother's Day again to all you moms out there. Thanks for all you do and probably all the extra work that you're doing as we're spending more and more time at home. And I'm excited just to go right in to the message because Lori set us up for it by summarizing where we've been in chapters one and two. So I want to read all of chapter three for us because that's the story that we're going to walk through today. Um, And it's 21 verses. It's a little bit of a longer passage. If you have Bibles in front of you, I want you to open them up, follow along. Here's the deal. We're going to have an entire message. I'm going to walk through the story, going to try to help us understand it and, and to understand how this story from about 3,000 years ago applies to today, talk about God's work in us today, but what we're about to do just in reading these pages, reading the scriptures, the God-breathed word is more important than anything that I'm going to say afterwards. So I really want to invite you, if you have a Bible, follow along. If you don't have a Bible, listen carefully because this is the word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 through verses 21. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you say, speak Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, Samuel answered, here I am. What is it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May the Lord deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, 
He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel and he grew up and let and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. This is God's word. And here's the deal. Some of us have a problem. And the problem that we have is that for some of us, we can't imagine that God actually wants to work through us. We can't imagine that God would actually be interested in us. We can't imagine that God would actually speak to us because we look at ourselves and we feel very ordinary. We're not famous. We're not rich. We're not popular. And we can't imagine that God would actually speak to us. And then others of us have a problem. And the problem that others of us have is that we can't imagine that God isn't terribly interested in us. We feel like we do have status. We feel like we do have importance. We have a reputation before others. We have past accomplishments that we draw on. And we can't imagine that God wouldn't be deeply interested in us, that he wouldn't speak to us clearly, and that he wouldn't be pleased with the kind of lives that we're leading. Some of us have a problem because we can't imagine God would want to speak to us. And some of us have a problem because we can't imagine that there would be anything about our lives that would be displeasing to God. And as we get ready to get into the story, I just want to ask you at the beginning, which one do you feel more like? Do you feel like you're more in the camp of saying, gosh, I can't imagine God's really interested? Or are you more in the camp of saying, I can't imagine that God wouldn't be interested? Both of these are problems. And both of these are going to be addressed in this story we walk through because we're going to walk through a story that's going to remind us that God rarely looks at things and rarely looks at people in the same way that we do. So let's talk about the story that we just read. And it begins by saying that in these days, the word of the Lord was rare. There wasn't a lot of visions. There wasn't a lot of prophecy. There weren't a lot of people being inspired by God to speak to the people. And this is not a good thing. This isn't one of those no good is, no news is good news where God's sort of like, hey, everything's fine. I don't have anything to say, say to you. Just kind of keep on going as you go. When God goes silent, it's a sign of curse. It's a sign of judgment. It's a sign of trouble. So this again is sort of in the period of history that we talk about as the time of the judges. People aren't especially devoted to the Lord. God has gone silent. The word of the Lord is rare in those days. But Samuel is serving as an up and coming priest with Eli, who is the high priest, the the chief priest over in Shiloh. And the story tells us that there's one night and both of them go to bed. Eli goes to bed, we don't know exactly where, but in his usual place. And Samuel, on the other hand, goes to bed in the house of the Lord where the ark is, the ark of the covenant that represented the presence of the Lord. And we're told in verse three that the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, which I'm gonna return to later. But, But just as a setting, it's telling us that this is at night. The lamp of the Lord was meant to be lit from sundown to sun up, basically. 
And so this is a time at night and it's possible that the way that he says it, that the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out is implying that it's sort of close to dawn, which in some ways makes sense with how this whole story unfolds. So Samuel's over in his bed, he's sleeping, a long day of work, a long day of doing the Lord's work and he hears his name. He hears Samuel. And who's going to be calling to him other than Eli, his mentor and his instructor? So immediately, as a good as a good protege, he gets up, he goes over to Eli, the part of Eli's usual place where he's sleeping, and he says, you called me, here I am. And Eli says, I didn't call you, go on back. Samuel goes on back. You got to imagine he's a little bit confused at this point, wondering what's going on. Am, am I hearing things? Was it a dream? What happened? He gets back in bed and once again, he hears his name called Samuel. And this time he's thinking that there's no mistake. And maybe I imagined it before. Maybe now I woke up Eli. Now he's up. Now he's calling for me. Rushes back over to Eli's spot and says, here I am. You called me. And for a second time, Eli says, I didn't call you. Go on back. Now we we get a little editorial note here, (coughs) excuse me, from the author, where the author says, Samuel did not yet know the voice of the Lord. Um, the, the, the idea here isn't that Samuel didn't have a relationship with God that he had by faith. We see a lot of indications that he definitely did. He loved the Lord. He was devoted to the Lord, but he hadn't yet heard the Lord speak to him as a prophet. And that's why he's not understanding what's going on. So he goes back one more time. He hears his voice, Samuel. He goes over to Eli. And this time when he says to Eli, here I am, you call me. Eli says, Wait. He recognizes that there's something going on. He recognizes that the Lord is involved in what's going on here. Now, before going on to the next part of the story, let's just take take a moment and pause because we've got this passage that's really comparing and contrasting Samuel and Eli. So let's take a moment and talk about each of them. And to say, first of all, for Eli, Eli was a big deal in Israel. Eli was really the highest level of religious status in Israel. He would have been sort of like the Pope during this time. Nobody would have been more important in the religious elements of the nation. And the religious elements were incredibly important to the nation. Eli was the kind of guy that had all his degrees and diplomas up on the wall for everybody to see. He'd been trained. He had all the status symbols. Eli was the kind of guy that when you came to Shiloh in order to offer your sacrifices, you wanted to make sure to to get a quick snapshot, to get a quick selfie with Eli. Would have had pictures up on his wall of all of the governors and the mayors and the presidents who'd come to visit during his time of serving here. Eli had all the books behind him that he'd read and studied through all of the things that pointed towards him being an important person in Israel. Eli had all of the status. But we're also told some things about Eli. We're we're hinted at some things in this passage, but before and afterwards, we end up learning a little bit more about how he's characterized. When we get into the judgment part of the passage, we get an allusion to the fact that his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were also priests at the time, were utterly immoral. Um, They used their position as priests to abuse their power, to be able to sleep with women, to be able to eat more than their fill, to be able to get rich off what was going on. And we're even told that Eli also got fat, fattened himself off of the goods that they stole. 
Um, which is a weird thing to say. It's it's mentioned here, and then in chapter four, again, it's mentioned that by this time he was very fat, which he could be like, what what does that have to do with anything? The idea that Eli was very fat. It's, It's both a truth, a historical truth, and a symbolic reality. The authors are just telling us this is the reality, but they're also illustrating something about Eli that he was indulgent on what was going on. And we get another factor about Eli that's both true and also symbolic. We're told back at the beginning of the passage that his eyes were failing. He wasn't able to see very well. And that also points towards his spiritual dullness. Just think of the fact that it took three times before Eli understands what's going on. He is not seeing clearly with his eyes and he's not seeing clearly with his spiritual eyes. Eli is a guy that status-wise has everything going for him. And at the same time, Eli is somebody who's spiritually dull. Now, by contrast, you think about Samuel. Samuel was growing into a young man who was gonna be a priest, but he didn't have a high level of status. He wasn't from an especially important family. We talked about his story last week, how he had his father Elkanah and his mother Hannah, and he was sort of the miracle child. Maybe that was his only claim to fame. He was young. He wasn't somebody that had a lot of importance. Eli was the seasoned priest. Eli was the Pope of Shiloh, and Samuel was just a servant in the house. And at the same time, we see the word of the Lord coming to Samuel and we see Eli being spiritually dull. The word of the Lord's coming to Samuel, but but if we just pause and looked at this, between these two options, we would assume the word of the Lord's coming to Eli. He's the one with all the degrees. He's the one with the title. He's the one with the position. He's the one that everybody wants to see when they come to Shiloh. But God doesn't often see things and see people the way that we do. So the third time when Samuel goes over to Eli, Eli says, wait, the Lord is speaking to you. All right, here's what I want you to do, Samuel. Go back to your bed. And when the Lord calls again, say this, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And eventually that's what Samuel does. But, but again, I want to pause here just to say it's striking that Eli was spiritually dull and at the same time, he understood the reality of how to listen to the Lord. This is good advice he's given to Samuel. Uh, what better thing could you say if God is speaking to you than speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Eli knew the reality. And so you've got to ask the question, how did he get to this point that he just became dull? that he was complacent, that he valued the approval of his sons who were immoral and abusive over holding them, over taking them to task and pleasing God. He becomes spiritually dull. And I, I gotta think that there's a, there's a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13, one of his most famous parables. It's usually called the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils where the sower's going out and he's spreading seed all over the place. Some goes on the rocky ground and the birds just come and swipe it up. Um, some goes in kind of shallow soil and it springs up, but then the sun scorches it. Some of it springs up right away, but the thorns end up choking it out. And some of it grows up into the good crop that multiplies itself. And, and a lot of us are familiar. We, we know that Jesus tells that parable. You know what that parable is about? It's about hearing. In fact, throughout that, at the beginning and at the end of the parable, Jesus says to his hearers, be careful how you hear. 
And to paraphrase what Jesus says, he says, the one who listens will keep hearing. The one who's not listening will stop hearing. And you got to wonder if there was a point where Eli didn't want to hear what the Lord was saying to him. And so he just stopped hearing God and God just stopped speaking to him. And he became spiritually dull. The other thing to take in though, with how the story proceeds, is that Samuel has the joy of hearing directly from God, but it's not a very pleasant message. And how many of us are looking at this and saying, well, gosh, I, I'd like to be Samuel. I'd like to hear from God. I'd like God to speak directly to me. That, that would be amazing. But we've got to pause and recognize that hearing from God doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be really excited about what we hear. It could end up being very difficult news as it is here. Sometimes when we hear from God, He's holding up the mirror to us and he's telling us something unpleasant about ourselves. And sometimes when we hear from God, he's, he's simply calling us to do something that we know is gonna make our lives more difficult. You know, I just think back when I was about 19 years old um, was when I felt like God had asked me if I was willing to be a pastor, which was nowhere on my mind, was not something I was excited about. You know, I, I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to follow Jesus. I wanted to be involved in what Jesus was doing through his church, but I did not want to be a pastor. I wanted to be an author. I wanted to live by the beach. I wanted to write books that lots of people read and enjoyed. That was my dream. And I was in a worship service and I felt like in the middle of the worship service, the Lord spoke to me and asked a question. And the question was, if I ask you to be a pastor, will you do it? And I definitely would have been somebody who would say, I was excited about the idea of hearing from God, but I was not excited about hearing that question because I didn't like the prospect of my life changing and getting more difficult in going into being a pastor. What I really wanted is for the Lord to speak to me and say, Dan, you are absolutely on the right path. Man, keep doing what you're doing. I love it all. In fact, let me just tell you, pretty soon you are gonna be a famous, well-known author. Pretty soon you're gonna spend your mornings opening up the door to your balcony and going out on that balcony and smelling the ocean breeze and then walking back in and writing stories that everybody loves. Dan, that's what I've got in store for you. And I would have said, thank you. I'm so excited to hear from God. But instead, what I heard from God was something that shook me and I knew at least in the short term was gonna make my life more difficult and was gonna put me in a position where I was gonna to have to be much more dependent upon the Lord. Man, even during this time of quarantine, maybe some of you are hearing from the Lord in some ways and it's not so pleasant. Maybe he is holding up the mirror to you and you're saying, well, I heard from God, but he just exposed my selfishness. He just exposed my impatience or, or something that, man, I, I feel like this week, God has really been exposing just my lack of contentment as, as I've been really frustrated with how slow things are moving and, and wanting so much for things to reopen. Man, God holds up the mirror to us. He speaks to us and it's not always pleasant. And sometimes he speaks to us and he says, I'm calling you to go on a mission team or I'm calling you to go on the mission field or I'm calling you to go apologize to somebody that you don't really want to apologize to. If you really want to hear from the Lord, prepare yourself to hear something that maybe you're not going to be super excited to hear. 
It could end up being hard news at first, but it's news that sets us on a path of being connected to the God of the universe. And that's exactly what happens with Samuel. He gets told some bad news, but it ends up leading him on a path that leads him to be a prophet in Israel. He goes back and tells Eli the news, and it's news that we already were exposed to if you read through the end of chapter two, when a prophet came to Eli and told him, because you have allowed your sons to run rampant, because you have fattened yourself off their stolen food, because you have valued their opinion of you more than God's opinion of you, Eli, you and your entire family are gonna be wiped out. You're no longer gonna serve as priests. It's not gonna pass from father to son to father to son. It's gonna be cut off with you. In fact, he's told in chapter two, both your sons are gonna die on the same day. And there's something that the prophet said back in chapter two, verse 30, that's striking and plays into this passage as well. He said to Eli, speaking the words of God, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. God will honor those who honor him. And he does that whether you're the most important priest in Israel or whether you're just a young anonymous up and comer. As I mentioned, Samuel goes to Eli in the morning. Um, He doesn't really want to tell him the news. It's not good news for Eli, but Eli says, you better tell me what the Lord says. And Samuel doesn't hold any of it back. He tells him everything. And Eli's response is that he says, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Which is not the best and not the worst response. It's, It's a little bit hard to tell how much of it is despair and how much of it is some kind of rebellion against God. I'm not gonna repent, but I'm gonna accept what's come from his hands. Um, But then from there, we move on to some final words about Samuel, because while this is nearing the end of Eli's story, this is just the start of Samuel's story. And starting in verse 19, it says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. In fact, let me call back to something that was way back in verse three of this passage. We're told the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, which is another element to the story that that appears to be both literal, but also symbolic. It's literal in the fact that that verse is telling us it was nighttime and therefore the lamp of the the Lord was lit. But, But you know, the author could have just told us it was nighttime. When he says the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out, that's a symbol used later on in the book of 2 Samuel to symbolize the idea of hope. Hope was not yet gone. This is a dark time in Israel. Maybe the lamp of Israel, the light of Israel, the hope of Israel is getting dim just as Eli's eyesight is getting dim. But the light has not yet gone out. And by the end of this passage, we see the bright promising light of Samuel ascending as a priest. The story ends with Eli getting a death sentence, but it ends with Samuel beginning to prosper as the next leader in Israel. You know, last week, as we started this series, um, the, the, the first message was entitled, Going Up or Coming Down. It was about the idea that God exalts the humble and that he humbles the proud. That is a broad idea of what God does. And in this passage, in chapter three, we see that happening again. 
We see Samuel going up. We see Eli coming down. But we also get a further note of just how God works in all of this. And that's the reminder that with God, there is no favoritism. In fact, the way that it's talked about in the New Testament is the idea that God is no respecter of persons. God is not impressed with our status symbols. God is not impressed with our titles. He's not impressed with our looks. He's not impressed with our reputations. God doesn't play favorites. You may be the high priest in Shiloh, but that doesn't mean that you're pleasing God. You may be an anonymous young priest at Shiloh, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have plans to use you profoundly. With God, he exalts the humble and humbles the proud, and he does it without ever showing any favoritism. And we see this all throughout scripture. Just think of the story of Israel. If you go all the way back to Jacob, you get to see God launching the nation of Israel through a man who consistently was in trouble because of his scheming and consistently was in a weaker position than his brother Esau. God doesn't show favoritism. God loves to use unlikely people. Think of Moses who led the people out of Israel and Moses was so afraid to do this because of his lack of speaking abilities. He basically said to God, I don't speak so good. Maybe somebody else should do this. God used Moses in profound ways. And later on in this book that we're going through right now, 1 Samuel, we're gonna meet the young shepherd boy, the youngest in his family, so unimportant that when the prophet Samuel comes to visit, David's father, Jesse, doesn't even bring David in. And David ends up being the core and most significant king in the history of Israel. God plucked him from the flock and made him significant because God shows no favoritism. And let's not forget also the much later descendant of David, who was born to Mary and Joseph, unimportant Jews in the first century, who was born in a manger because nobody gave him a room to be born in, who grew up in a level of anonymity that when he came back and preached in his hometown, everybody basically said, who does this guy think he is? Isn't he just Mary and Joseph's son? Think of Jesus, that when the eternal son of God took on flesh, he took on flesh in a pretty unimpressive way. Isaiah 53 says, he has no beauty that endorsed himself to us. Jesus was anonymous, and then Jesus was rejected. The story of the Bible is God working through unlikely people to save his people Israel, and then ultimately through Jesus to save us from our sins and to bring us eternal life. God exalts the humble and humbles the proud, and he does it without ever showing any favoritism. And here's the important thing. This could be good news or bad news for us today. The idea that God shows no favoritism. Um, This is bad news for you if you are thinking that God must be pleased with you, that God must be impressed with you, that God must want to speak to you. This is humbling news because it reminds you that being important in the eyes of others or being important in your own eyes doesn't necessarily hold any water with God. He doesn't play favorites. If you're like Eli, this is frightening news. And you, know, you think about it, that there's different things that we can sometimes come to rely on as far as our status before God. We can rely on the past, 
past accomplishments that we can look back and say, I I know that I'm good with God. Because man, I remember way back in the day, I used to do all kinds of things. I used to worship with my hands raised. I used to go to Bible studies all the time. I used to go out and and talk to people about my faith. I I used to be really faithful in attending church. Man, man, I, I can think of all the things that I've done in my life. Clearly, God is pleased with me now. We can rely on past accomplishments. We can also rely on our associations. I I know that I'm okay with God. After all, everybody in my family is a devoted Christian. After all, my friends walk with Jesus. I'm part of a church that's a good Bible teaching, gospel teaching church. I know that I'm good because of my associations. Those don't hold any water with God. Or we might think that we're good because of our reputation before other people that they talk about how moral and godly we are, so that must mean we're good with God. Here's what I wanna say. Man, this way, the way that this unfolds with Eli, this is frightening, and it should be frightening to us because there was probably a point in Eli's life where he was very devoted to the Lord. And he got to wonder what exactly had happened. There was probably a point along the way where he could have drawn a line in the sand, where Eli could have said, you know what? My sons are going down this path and I don't want carnage in my family. I don't want conflict. I don't want all of this to go wrong, but this is too important. And I've got to do this. I've got to do what God is calling me to do. I got to rebuke them or I got to remove them as priests. I got to make known that what they're doing is not okay. Whatever it costs me. I'm not simply going to rely on the idea that I used to be devoted to God. I'm going to be devoted to him today. And what I want to say is maybe that's where some of you who are listening, maybe that's where you're at. You're looking back and you're saying, well, gosh, I I did used to really walk closely with God. But man, I I don't remember the last time I, I really prayed or I don't remember the last time I shared my faith with anyone. I, you know, I, I'm not really fighting against sin in the way that I used to and impurity and dishonesty has crept into my life. I, you're looking at things and you're realizing you're relying on the past. God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't care what family you were born into and God doesn't care what other people think of you. If you want to hear from the Lord, if you want to walk with the Lord, that is an active thing to be doing right now. So I want to invite you, maybe there's some repentance needed. Maybe you need to look at things and say, you know what? I've been coasting on the past. I need to repent. I need to go to the Lord. I need to open myself up to him in a new way because I do want to walk with him and I do want to hear from him. And I want to humble myself instead of being great in my own eyes. So this passage is kind of bad news if you're in the boat of thinking, why wouldn't God want to be around you? but it's really good news if you're a little bit more like Samuel. It's really good news if you're in the boat that you're kind of doubting yourself. You might say, I don't don't know why God would be interested. I mean, I think that I am saved. I think that I do belong to the family of God. And so I think that I've got heaven covered, but the idea that God would actually be pursuing a personal relationship with me, the idea that he would use me in some profound way or that I would speak something that would have an impact on others, that that just seems too far. That seems hard to imagine that God would do that because I'm not a terribly impressive or important person. And here's the good news. God loves to use people who are not terribly impressive or important in the eyes of human beings. He loves to shame the great people of the world by doing powerful work through the humble people of this world. So it's good news for you, but it also brings with it a challenge. 
So, so maybe you're at a point where, where because you've been feeling kind of inadequate and you've been feeling like you're, you're not terribly important, you, you haven't even thought about the idea of using your spiritual gifts that God has given you to serve in the church. Because after all, you're saying, well, well who am I to do that? And who am I to, to speak up and to speak about the gospel with my coworkers or my neighbors or my classmates? After all, who am I to think that I'm up to that task? Who am I to sign up for a mission trip or to go somewhere? Who am I to figure out some way to plug into the body? Who, who am I to do those things? I, I'm not terribly important. I'm not sure God is interested. And here's what I want to say. We get to say these words that Samuel says, these profound words that Samuel says in this passage that Eli told him to say. We get to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If you're recognizing from this message, message man, I, I've been kind of arrogant. I've been kind of presumptive of God. And here's what I want to say. I want to repent. I want to humble myself, say, God, the only reason I have any importance is because you've given me that importance. So Lord, because of all that, I just want to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And if it's difficult news, if it's news that's going to bring me sorrow or repentance, whatever it is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And if you're feeling low and if you're feeling inadequate and if you're feeling unimportant, I want to invite you to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You're probably going to tell me to do some things and I'm not going to feel up to the task, but I'm going to follow through. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to continue to step out. When we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, we're not just saying, I'm interested in hearing the words that you're going to say to me. We're saying, I'm ready to act. I'm ready to respond. I'm ready to follow wherever you lead. And once again, it's good news for us because no matter how inadequate you feel, no matter how you feel about your past, no matter the fact that you feel like you don't measure up in some way, God is a God who loves to exalt the humble and God is a God who doesn't play favorites. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the good news that you exalt the humble. And we wanna be in that category. We wanna humble ourselves so that we can experience you working through us. Thank you for the story with Samuel and Eli. And Father, I pray that you move in us that we would rightly be warned and sobered by the story of Eli, knowing that that could be any of us. And I pray that you bring us hope through the story of Samuel, also knowing that could be any of us. Father, I pray that you, in our midst, humble us when we're proud and lift us up and encourage us when we're feeling inadequate. Thank you that you care more about us than you do about our status or our outward appearance. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. Please bless us throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you the rest of this Sunday.